The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. All right. So we survived last week's sex talk, or I survived last week's sex talk. Uh, Didn't get any toilet paper or flaming poop on my doorstep, so... It's happened, I'm just saying. Take out this little sheet of paper and uh, let me, let's read this together. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. This is a letter from Paul to a small church in Philippi. Here's what it says. In chapter 2, verse 1, If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. And think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. No, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. And having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. And he didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death, a crucifixion. So, you know, uh, so we're continuing this everything series where some of it is, is built on your comments and questions and that kind of thing. And, and so uh, a lot of today, this has to do with, with character and how uh, character informs and colors and textures your, uh, your character traits. Boy, that, that is probably the most uh, difficult thing to kind of wrap your mind around because I think we're used to just doing good things. If I don't do bad things, I must be a good person. Right? And by the way, we set our own standards so that we usually so that we can hit them. Right? So, um, you know, maybe you feel good about yourself because you don't go see R-rated movies. Okay, awesome, you win. But but your mind perhaps is you know you don't need any more R-rated movies. You have so many more images to work from. You know, and then you could Photoshop them in your head. And so, uh, or perhaps oh you know I I don't drink. Uh, you know, awesome, good for you. You know, I, I don't smoke. Oh, okay, great. You know, good good for you. You're you're a wonderful person. But inside you're seething with such arrogance and, and envy and fear that, that you may look great on the outside, but, but on the inside, you're just the walking dead. And so, um, for those of you perhaps that this um, talk might spark more questions than it answers for you, here's what I'm going to recommend. Um, there's a conference called the Yellow Conference. The Yellow Conference is open to anybody in and out of spiritual communities. And what the Yellow Conference does, it gives you a snapshot of who you are as a person. It, it measures your temperaments. It measures your t- uh, talents and skills. It assesses those for you, so you have a language for them. You have it, you have it in, in front of you, documented. Um, and, and then it also has a large component, is the character matrix, which I've taught a few times. The character matrix, uh, developed by Pastor Irwin, straight from the scriptures, uh, has been used, which he's um, sharing at the Pentagon um, yeah, I think it's this month if he's not already done it or so. Uh, so in business organizations and church organizations, the, the character matrix is a simple way to look at a block 
and measure yourself, where you are as a person. So instead of having through a random list of, okay, I don't do this, I don't do that, I'm a good, I must be a good person, the character matrix is looking at character traits. For example, like last week, you know, instead of answering individual questions, can I touch her there, can he look at me this, and you know, all, all the questions regarding sex that, that people were sending, I, I wanted to give a higher altitude view and pull back and give you principles of bottom line, who has a final say in your life and who owns your life. Because if you think you own your own sexuality, then it really doesn't matter what the scripture teaches. If you believe God owns it, then it does matter what the scripture teaches and your, your, your question is essentially solved. If, if you feel that you have the final say in your life regarding your money, your time, your sexuality, then it really doesn't matter what the scriptures teach. You have the final say. But if you believe God has the final say, then the scriptures are, answer those questions for you and it's, it's done. I mean, I'm not saying it's always simple. Excuse me. It is that simple. It's not always easy sometimes to work those things out. This is why community is helpful. But the reason why I'm stopping to give this big disclaimer is that <clears throat> there's a blue book over there in a, in a series of DVDs or CDs called Uprising. The, the Uprising book is the character matrix explained in detail. And it allows you to, to maybe focus on a certain area. And, and today, I, I really want to really just start with what I think is the most important thing, which is a, a gratefulness and humility. Um, and this is, this, is, this is one of those talks where uh, it, it makes sense, whether you're a follower or not, if you develop these two traits in your life, you're just going to be a person with more integrity, gratefulness and humility. And the thing about character, just to you know, kind of define this a little bit, I've said in the past that the, 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 the importance of developing good character traits is that you will become and I become an extreme version of ourselves. So if you're a generous person now, chances are and you maintain that trait and skill, you're going to be a very generous person as you get older. But if you are a, you know, a, maybe a sensual, a fearful, a, a proud, an arrogant, an angry, or violent person in your youth, and you move forward, you're going to become that extreme version of yourself. This is why it's critical to manage your character traits and your soul. What's funny to me is how often we take credit for things that we had nothing to do with, like luxurious salt and pepper hair, whatever I have left of it, um, or you know, beautiful brown eyes, like like that came from your folks, you know. Good. Bad. We should take credit for our for our character traits, our talents, what we do with that, because those things you manage. But many times, you know, we want to blame someone else for that. Um, and I will tell you this, even if you choose not to work on your character, it's still being worked on. It's still happening. Like I've mentioned in the past, it's almost like a garden. You know, if you, if, um, if you choose not to manage your garden, your lawn, whatever, it's going to grow. Stuff will grow there that maybe you don't want to grow there. But it, it's, something is always going to grow in your soul. It is an environment for growth. It could be unhealthy growth or... It could be very healthy growth. It determines on really the gardener, which is you in this case. You are the manager of your own soul and your own character. Um, and, it, and it's one of those areas of our lives that sometimes, whether as followers of Christ or people who are processing uh, becoming a follower and that kind of thing, we, we overlook it and we just make a list of, a checklist of things to do. So I must be a good person and, or I'm a bad person because I'm, I'm, I'm missing the checklist. And so I want to encourage you in your heads mentally to be honest with yourself and say, I have been measuring myself by a checklist. I'm going to take that off the table, and I'm going to look at two traits this morning with Octavio and, and 
see where I'm at. And if this is of interest to you, I highly recommend Pastor Irwin's book, Uprising. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, Gosh, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is. But she's a sinner. So Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me, teacher. Well, two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of, uh, of both. So which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. <clears throat> then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? And by the way, you know, I mean, I love that question. Obviously, you could physically see her, but, you know, there's a deeper meaning to that question. Do you see this woman? You know, what is actually happening here, soul to soul? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman has, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. And by the way, you know, the order seems like it implies that because she was, you know, like doing all this stuff for Jesus, that God said, oh, now I'll forgive you. The fact that she was, you know, caring for Jesus this way reveals that he that she had experienced his forgiveness. It, it, it's not like she had to earn it. She's just showing what already has happened. She's showing in the outside what's already happened in, the, in, in her soul. So, you see, here's the, here's the thing about becoming grateful. This is probably the starting point for anybody. I'm convinced of this in my, from my own life and the lives of other people. I know folks have different levels of damage, of emotional damage, mental damage, spiritual damage. I know folks who perhaps have struggled so deeply that they are not functioning well. Uh, some folks need medication. Some folks need care. I get all that. But for, for humanity, the first step forward in becoming a, a, a great, a, a, a whole person, a healthy person, is just developing the habit of gratitude. Um, I've seen this in step meetings. I've seen this in, in corporations. And it's just when you flip that perspective to become grateful, it, it seems to release and lift up other good character traits. And it is the probably most um, vague thing for us to grapple with because you, just, you, live in, you generally live in a culture where you have so much. Let me back up. It just becomes a habit to be ungrateful. That's what I'm going to say. You begin to pick up the language, the thought patterns of being an ungrateful person, and you shrivel up all the other opportunities for good traits to, to, to grow. See, 
And here's the other thing that's kind of strange about this uh, gratitude. It, it also is based on what you actually see in life. Um, there was a young man my wife and I were um, uh, emailing with, and he was just a you know, poor guy. had a lot of challenges and didn't have many friends. Um, in fact, this is a guy in Europe who was listening to our podcasts. And, and so he reached out, and um, you know there was some issues of self-injury that occurred and just mess. And so he wanted to take these steps forward to become healthy. And so I, I suggested, hey, you know, you, you, do, you, you like photos and all that kind of Take a photo each day of something beautiful that you find beautiful and send it back to me. Let me see what it is that you think is beautiful. Now, the first few images were a little bit dark. And it's amazing how within a week or two, they gradually got healthy. And here's the first thing that happened. I mean, the, the interesting thing happened, which I was glad that it did. And I was, this is what I was shooting for. That as you see more beauty around you, you become a grateful person. So he started taking photos of images of, of course, kind of dark things and death and weirdness. And then gradually began to be parks and trees and people. And he began to see things that were beautiful about just around him. And began to awaken this sense of gratitude around him. And he started to move forward into mentally healthier positions and places. Now I know what some folks might have done and and I, I feel you. But this is where I think I take the scriptures more seriously than perhaps some that might say, why didn't you give them a verse? Because here's what I know. Because verses are almost meaningless for sin management. Unless you take the, unless you take the scriptures seriously, and and I also know that that even it, listen, I, I I just won't insult people's intelligence in and out of spiritual communities and assume they don't know what's right to do. That's almost never the case. The case is is that folks are so hurt and damaged and fragile. That, in, that even if they have the desire, they have no ability or no hope to become a different person. And so sometimes I think the first step in helping folks is just helping them become grateful. So they can experience beauty, experience God. So the process starts with um, self-awareness, gratitude, and it moves to self-management. And that's the thing that is the, the starting block that's so hard to get off the starting line. Because if I'm, I'm convinced if you were to ask yourselves when you walked in here this morning, hey, are you a grateful person? You would say, yeah. Right? I mean, why would you say, no, I'm not a grateful person. I'm an ungrateful person. You know, who wants to define themselves that way? But when you begin to see really deep down in your soul that you examine your thought life and you put a spotlight on it, you'd be like, wow, I, I really do have these tendencies of ungratitude. And so this is why self-awareness leads to self-management. How do I become a grateful person? How do I become a grateful person? I'll tell you, um, here are some ways of, of knowing, maybe just checking your perspective and attitude of how you, become un, you can know if you're ungrateful or not. One of them is, um, uh, well, okay, at work, if you have said or heard other people say, or you think it, that's not my job. You ever get that at work? Anybody here a manager where you supervise other people? No? Oh, yeah, you're going to. Okay, great. And you're going to, right? (laughs) 
When you find that person that says, it's not my job, or they push back on something, you see the reluctance, that's an ungrateful person. If you're the person that someone asks you to do something, and you think, no matter how highly you may think of yourself, you're ungrateful. There's there's a level of of ungratitude in your life. Um, Here's here's how you can tell. A, 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 A grateful person has so little that's beneath them. Uh, we have, how many of you, you got, how many guys have been to my home? You guys actually walked into my house, you've been to my home? Really? Because I have things missing. Can I, <laughs> let me just keep your hands up. <laughs> I thought I've seen you wear some of my shirts, so that would answer so many questions. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's a lot of loose change missing, which is all that we have, which is my paycheck sometimes at the end of the month. Um, Okay, my point, and there is one, is that, you know, Lily has gone out of her way to make, her, make the house nice, right? Clean, you know, beautiful, right? And you know what my dogs, we have three dogs. We have a Siberian Husky, an uncontrolled Beagle Hound, probably on narcotics, and a worthless poodle that I'm willing to give away. You know what they see in the house when they look at the house? One big toilet. I can go anywhere. This is great. And, and there's a part of me sometimes when I wake up in the morning, like, oh, why didn't I take him out last night? And there's a pile, you know, from one of the... <laughs> and, you, you know, because I, I walked into it. You know, oh. That's an ugly image, isn't it? Now you won't forget it. Though you'll try. Like, ah. There was a time I would have said, let me get out of the house real quick before Lily wakes up so she can get it. <laughs> I wish I was kidding. I'm just saying. How many of you are thinking, that is so a guy thing to do? Yeah. <laughs> then I think, why, is this, why, why do I think I'm above picking up dog poop? Well, yeah, whose doesn't? But <laughs> now, before this looks like I'm straining my arm to pat myself on the back, I'll, I'll keep it real on every level, but here's the, here's the point. When something is beneath you, that's your level of gratitude. See, a, a grateful person has very little that's beneath them. You know why? Because they're grateful for anything and everything. Now, it, doesn't, it almost sounds kind of like this miserable, sort of peculiar, broken state, doesn't it? it? It is the most liberating, powerful state to be in. An a ungrateful person sees everything beneath them or her. Um, I will say that uh, there, there are some places or, or things that people have asked you to do. And I think, no, I'm not doing that. And I know what it is in my head. It's not that I don't have the time. It's not that I don't have the ability. Hello, I'm talented. But it's just that, uh, <laughs> you know, I just think, I, it's not, uh, yeah. and then when I, oh, my gosh, what an arrogant son of an illegitimate union that, that I would actually think that that's beneath me. To do. You follow? That's how you can tell where you are as a person. It's awful now when you think about it, isn't it? When so, so it's like the, the, the joke at church. Everybody wants to be known as a servant. I want to serve, I want to serve. Until they treat you like one. And what the hell? Don't they know what I'm doing? <laughs> that's, not, that's right, it's not my job. 
I want people to know I'm a servant. I want to be recognized as being a servant. So gratitude leads to, I'm going to say, move some things out of order here. It, it leads to humility and it leads to a courageous life. And, and, and the truly humble person, see, once you develop the trait of gratitude, it's recognizing um, what you've been given and who you are and that kind of stuff, right? What you've been forgiven of. I mean, honestly, we have no business as followers of Jesus to react or judge anybody else's weirdness, right? Because who would want our lives printed up on the screen? And some of you are willing to be honest with some stuff, like, oh, yes, I used to. I, yes, I looked at dirty pictures. You know, you would say, that you're, oh, yes, I once drank too much and I got drunk. Oh, you were a lush. Come on, you were a fall-down, vomiting drunk, you know. Or, oh, I too once used, you know, I said, damn. You know, oh, please, you know, come on, I've heard your mouth. It made me blush, you know. And uh, we're willing to admit some things, but we wouldn't want our lives... And our thoughts open for inspection. And yet sometimes we, we, someone shares a, a, an area of brokenness in their sexuality and in, in, in their in, in a level of honesty or uh, other areas of life. And we, <laughs> we put up airs. Who the heck do we think we are? Where do, where do we come off? We have been forgiven so much. I, 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 this is why you've heard me say it. And I, you know, I've had a few people tell me as they come clean in certain areas of their life, they go, I, it took me years to believe it. But I've, I've never seen you be that person that reacts or judges anybody else's mess. And the reason is, as I know mine. So how do you become a humble person? How do you move from gratitude to humility? Because this is, this, is this is the critical thing to manage. Gratitude and humility will release positive momentum in your life. So in the next few minutes here, let me show you how this works. And I'll give you an example in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Now, if you're taking notes or making mental notes in your head, humility only happens when you're fully aware of your power and your talents or your strengths. Okay? It's not relinquishing your power. It's not um, not using your power. It's... You're fully aware of your influence as a, maybe a manager or as a parent or as a talented person or as a good-looking artist or as a whatever, whatever you think, however you're going to picture power, okay? Your money, your influence, humility happens when you have fully access to your power and you serve somebody else. That's humility. It is not relinquishing your power, it's using your power. So, uh, John 13 Here's what it says. Um, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world. I love this part. He now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Note verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God, that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel uh, that was wrapped around them. Verse 6, he came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? 
Jesus replied, listen, Peter, you don't know what I'm doing right now, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, "Mm -mm, you're mistaken. (laughs) You shall never wash my feet. Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Simon, oh, then wash me completely. You know, of course, it's a typical response. Verse 10, a person who has had a bath only needs to have his feet washed. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that, that is why he said not everyone was clean. Now, verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he said? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and rightly so, for that is who I am. But now that I, I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed, whole, healed, um, gain integrity, create positive momentum, if you do them. So here's a key, you know, a couple of keys that stand out from right away. You can know good things, but until you do them, they're nothing. What would you do if you had all power? Come on, think about it. If you had all power, what would you do? How many of you are thinking, how many of you thought, oh, I would try to help Haiti? Anybody think that? Wow, you guys are horrible. Uh, <laughs> you guys, this is a, close the doors, we're going to go through more character matrix stuff right now. And get a weapon, because these people are, are, are obviously dangerous. How many of you would, would settle scores of all the child molesters in the world? What, what if you had all power, you could, you could fix the financial situation and hopefully get Obama reelected? What would, you, what would you do <laughs> just keeping it real? What would you do if you had all power? What laws would you pass? Who would you eliminate? Who would you promote? How much money would you have? Where would you live? You had all power. What would you do with it? This is what's amazing about me because here's a person that really had all power. He knew what he had. He knew where he came from. He was completely, there was no ambiguity about who he was. I know who I am. And he knew his destiny. And so what did he do? Wash their feet. That's humility. Fully aware and able to access your power. And you do access your power. And you, and you serve. That's humility. Um, and this is what colors and shapes your character. Gratitude, humility. Probably the, the most important traits to start working on. Um, you are only truly humble when you are fully aware of the power and ability you have. A humble person thinks of the group as a whole. Do you do that thing <clears throat> like... Like I do. If there's a group shot, who's the first person you look for? Of course. Because who else matters? I mean, if you look good, the picture's okay. <laughs> right? There's a group shot, and you, you're, you, you only like the group shot if you look good. Because if everybody looks hot or great or awesome, and you, look, you had your like mid, mid-wink or mid-blink or mocos or something, you know, you're just like, oh, what a horrible photo. I'll never use it. Everybody can look wretched. They can look like corpses. But if you, your smile, you know, 
And you're, you're keeping the photo. It's on Facebook, right? It's part of your album. And you even tag people. <laughs> look how bad they look. <laughs> I, I'm just saying what I've seen my wife do. And I'm just... She's, she's damaged so badly. I have to help her. This is an intervention. Come up here, Lilia. Get over here, you knucklehead. I love you. I'm in so much trouble, man. I, I can't go home for days. Humility asks or considers what's good for the group, team, the family that they're part of, the department. You know, uh, arrogant, ungrateful person always looks at, well, what's in it for me? What about me? See, this is how you, again, I'm, I'm trying to help all of us and help you understand where you are as a person because you might fool yourself into thinking, I'm whole, and you're not. Look at it from a, a, a medical point of view. Um, a person walks in thinking they're healthy and whole. They go get an examination. They find out they're full of cancer, correct? Things like that happen. But they operate as if they think they're healthy when inside they're dying, but that happens in the spiritual realm. You think you're whole. You think you're emotionally sound. You think you're, you're doing the right thing. And inside, there's death and corruption and your soul is shriveling. So I'm trying to give you the, the way to, to check for the symptoms. Humility is a, a, a lifelong pool that you get to swim in. You know, luxuriate. But the deeper you go, the more integrity you have. arrogant person did you see how they treated me how many of you are put off when the pimply braces kid at McDonald's is short with you you think do you know who I am <laughs> ever, ever, have you guys ever had that thought in your head <laughs> no because <laughs> you can't even form words when you're upset you know and you, you think the servers at a restaurant are like the, the, the lowest people because they're serving you by the way, secret, every server I've met, believer or not believer, worst day of the week to work, what day would you think it is? Sundays. People are the worst, they've said, the Christians are the worst customers, most demanding, the cheapest tippers. I'll give you, listen, I, I love you all, and I, I, I'm not the kind of person that gives commands or directions, but if you go to a restaurant and you pray, minimum 15%, Okay? Even if it's bad service, they saw you pray. Don't, don't smear God's reputation. Don't let them think God is cheap. If you pray at a table, because you're a Christian, tip 15%. Oh, man. I'm just saying, there's so many people that ruin God's reputation, they don't need, they don't need help. If you pray in public at a restaurant, tip 15% minimum. If you get great service, tip 20. My wife and I once... This is by, kind of by accident, but I tipped a guy 50%. We made a lifelong friend. And, and we still, years later, we still talk to this guy, even though he's no longer at the restaurant. Um, at any rate, my point? Let me share with you another way you can tell if you're battling with arrogance or ungratefulness. If you feel violated or put off or a little pissed off when someone helps you succeed, you're ungrateful and you're arrogant. I struggle with this, I don't know how much. When somebody helps me do something and makes it better, it bothers me. Isn't that horrible? I mean, how damaged am I? 
Thank you, bro. He's like that. Pretty damaged. <laughs> you get up here and knock it out of the park every Sunday. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, I know that because it's stupid. Someone reaches out to help you. They make your thing better and you're put off by it. This is why I've never liked to be part of teams at work. I'll succeed and fail on my own. But I hate succeeding with a group. Especially, yeah, any group. I was going to say, especially, no, any group. And the, the, the intentional thing I've learned to do with the team I get to work with here is to give away credit. And the funniest thing that's happened is that more things happen. Better things happen. You know, the, the more you fight for credit or recognition on something when it goes well, the more ungrateful and arrogant you are. Okay, five minutes. Let's say we take up percentages. Let's say, you, you, you know, givers and takers, you know, you're 70% taker, a 30% giver, that kind of thing. If you could just move to 51, 49%, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. If you move to a percentage of life where you're 49% a taker and 51% a giver, that 2% difference starts to create positive momentum as far as gratefulness and humility. Just, just It's the 2% solution. Gratitude is the, is the starting place for positive momentum. Um, and, and, and it doesn't matter what you try to do in your life. Well, I'm be serious for just a moment. Not like serious angry. I was with the tippers, but... I, if I could give you one thing that you will take away from this moment is this. No matter how you try to work on your marriage, your relationships, yourself, your business career, anything in your life, <clears throat> you'll have limited success if you do not have as a base for your character traits gratefulness and humility. You'll have limited success. You might have some movement forward, but it'll be limited. Add character traits of humility and gratitude and anything else you work on in your life it seems to lift other positive character traits with it generosity courage faithfulness but it starts with gratitude it starts with humility and character will be always the sum total of all your decisions and, and, and uh, another like metaphor I've used in presentations at work and like at Verizon and other places is that <clears throat> I've talked to people about sculpting but a sculptor starts making little notches and, and cuts and, and you know impressions right and eventually you know there's the thing is formed but this is how our, our character works as well you make little decisions every single day but eventually those decisions make you the person that you are you we cannot blame outside influences parents schools the recession jobs if you're married it's your spouse if you have kids it's your kids if, if, if neighborhood it's your neighbors it, it, eventually part of moving forward is taking responsibility for your own soul it, it, it's yours not someone else's and here's the final thought because I will finish here None of this happens in isolation. It happens in a community. It happens when um, other people are in different levels of, of, um, of spiritual progress, right? 
And by the way, should, should it be a surprise that the most damaged, goofy, ruined, sexually messed up, emotionally damaged, jealous, envious, cruddiest people in the world would be at a church? Wouldn't that make sense? Right? Because they are, they're aware that something's wrong. It's just like, oh, I don't want to go to that hospital. Why? Because there's so many sick people there. Like, oh, well, <laughs> that's what the hospital's for, right? So, so the church is not for people that are, hey, together, hey, you know, everything's well. You know, I live in Orange County, vote Republican. I'm just saying that... <laughs> Is it, was this on? I know I tease people in Orange County. The church is not for people who are well. The church is for people who are aware that something's wrong. Okay? And so this is why that process of, of working on your character is more effective or only really works in the environment of community where other people are traveling the same journey you are. So there's encouragement, there's, there's, uh, there's ideas, there's sharing, there's motivation. We, we need a place to belong so that we can become and believe as well. All right, um, it's 10.45, two minutes. Anybody have a comment or a question? And I know this is a little bit odd, but feel free to shout something out if you have something on your mind. Right, so how do you help somebody else when you recognize their bad character traits or their, their, their damage and that kind of thing? I would say point it out all the time. Yeah, no. Um, by the way, you're going to see you're gonna see this as a parent, right? You see it as a spouse. You see it with your coworkers if you're a manager, uh, that kind of thing. So it, it's, it's always going to happen, right? Um, first of all, I, here's the first thing. Uh, you celebrate what you can. You celebrate every positive, even minute thing possible. Um, I, I've just seen this where folks... Uh, they respond to healthy, positive, sincere uh, compliments and affirmation and encouragement. Right? The second thing is, is that uh, this is the part where it's hard and, 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 because this is the other truth of it, is that you live such a compelling, winsome life that people want to mimic yours. And, and you earn the right to be heard. Um, and I think the last thing is that <clears throat> you show such love to somebody that uh, they would hear even maybe a possibly hard conversation as serving them. So um, you celebrate what you can. You live a compelling, winsome life that people wish to mimic. And you love them to the point that they, are, that they, can't, they recognize any conversation from you is, is from a place of love. All right, let me pray and dismiss. Thank you, Father, for being so good to us and loving us and, and caring for us and rescuing us. What I pray for myself and my friends is that they would be people who, who would work on uh, our, our, our character and manage that, knowing that you've given that to us to develop a character trait of humility, character trait of gratitude, that we could live in, in compelling, winsome lives that folks are interested in, in mimicking or matching or wondering what makes us tick. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, the community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.